bones. Yeah. Old bones. Yeah. Bones. Yeah. Old bones. What? 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 I said old uh, bones. I got old bones tonight. Yeah, old. Probably more old joints. Hey. I'm only getting you in the uh, hearing it in the right channel. Is that okay? I'm only hearing you both in my left testicle. Really? You have yours in your left testicle? <laughs> I'd like to welcome uh, our, another repeat guest, another Eric guest. Another two-timer. Yeah. Yeah. We're on a roll. Well, one of the reasons, and not just this, but that we wanted you back was because uh, actually the last time you were on, we had recorded even longer, but the, the second part got uh, a little messed up. We talked about some science fiction books and that kind of thing, literature. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, maybe we could talk about that again. Sure. But uh, anyway, welcome it's back. Time. Thanks. Uh, I got to go. No, I'm <laughs> Phil, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> All the things. I can hear it. You must have something. <laughs> Everything. No, uh, well, I had an Evan Williams bottled and bond uh, uh, Manhattan. And now it's just uh, just... Evan Williams on ice. Easy peasy. Um, yeah. I am drinking a Strongbow cider. Hmm. Oh, you got the cider tonight. I had one stray can of it in the back of my fridge, and I decided it was time <laughs> to use that up. It wriggled and wriggled and wriggled in cider. Cool. Oh. Phil. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> okay, we're going to start now. <laughs> okay. I just cut that part out. <laughs> cut this. You're listening to episode 39 of Time to Lean and Here's a Song. Goddamn sons of bitches. Eric S. and John K. and Philip H. They're going to talk a little bit and have a beverage. And there's a song. Uh, Eric, are you doing a kombucha or something like that? Or what do you got? I've actually got a uh, mug of iced lemon zinger tea. Hmm. Oh, that sounds kind of nice. Yeah. Sounds refreshing. Needs gin. It's a zinger. On a, on a hot summer's day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, wrong on both counts, actually. <laughs> it was spring for a little bit here, but then it took a turn back to winter. Yeah, we got snow yesterday. I looked out the window and it was coming. It, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> I saw what your folks. <laughs> yeah, we. I think we all got a bit of this brief return winter yeah well like the prince song says uh every now and then it uh it snows uh in april and and uh well that's just kind of the way it is i don't think that was the actual lyrics but i think you're taking a few liberties <laughs> i always do with that no what not always that simon and garfunkel song a hazy shade of winter i don't know <laughs> it's weird i mean stuff's weird right now so weird oh good I'm I'm enjoying my last few weeks of employment. What? Well, I am being furloughed from my job. Oh shit, man! Four four months. Oh, sorry to hear that. Because most of what I do is not really needed right now because we have no students on campus. Oh fuck. So yeah, it, it'll it'll it's 
it sucks, but um, a lot of people have it worse. Oh well, yeah, that's true. So, and I at this at least at this point, I still have a job to come back to. If we if we ever have students come back, is MJ still employed then? Yep, she in. <laughs> Turns out she works for an all online university, so oh. she's actually quite busy right now. <laughs> they were ahead of the curve. Yeah, um, she was already working remotely. This is not a big adjustment, except that she has to put up with me being here. <laughs> You're a terrible so. co worker, she said. Yeah, I, I am a terrible co worker. You didn't get her. Uh, I'm going to be an even worse pain in the ass once I'm not, I don't have a job. <laughs> It's like you can only mow the lawn so many times. Yeah, I, 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 unfortunately, I'm not going to have good excuses to avoid yard work. <laughs> no doubt. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I do have a lot of time to do things. And that I'll obviously, I, I have plenty of hobbies and interests I can work on. And naturally, of course, uh, all my music stuff is shut down as well. So I can't go do that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping some of it will come come back before the end of the year, but I just we don't know. Yeah, man. Well, sorry about your job, man. Yeah, I know it's it. It does suck, and um, but I'm eagerly awaiting my Donald J. Trump stimulus money. Yeah, (laughs) signed signed by him. Yeah, fortunately, I'm doing direct deposit, so I won't have to look at his fucking signature. So what what's going on over there? Are you are you uh, with your? I suppose you're on medical leave or something like that. No, um, I'm working remotely. Uh, okay, I've worked remotely before, and luckily, almost all of my job I can do remotely. Um, I'm not back full time yet, but um, luckily, I'm in a position where there's nobody else who can do what I do. Uh, I'm a tech writer. I'm basically in charge of all the tech communications at the company. Uh, my being gone while I was in the hospital, uh, oh. my uh, supervisor uh, has said many times, highlighted very uh, potently how how important and valuable I am. So things would have to get really, really bad, you know, like the entire company shutting down before I'd lose my job. So. And there's probably a little bit of a backlog now, too. <laughs> oh, fuck. We have a a project management system. It's called Workfront. And I have something like 90 projects in there. And, oh, wow. And so it's it's ridiculous. Is uh, Charlotte, what's, what's, what's up with, uh, what's, she, is she able to telecommute? Well, she is, um, and uh, the museum where she works is shut down, you know, as yeah. you would expect. And uh, they've made a commitment to keeping everybody on th- uh, at least until May 15th, but she found out today that um, they also have secured a grant for over, I think it's 275000 uh, which should also help that situation okay all right so fingers crossed well let's see jody is a massage therapist so she can't do that uh telecommuting wise no maybe she could have uh stretching videos or something but uh i uh i'm telecommuting currently i um but i'm an operations guy so it's kind of 
normally I'm responding to a lot of customer service emails and, um, and out in the field, making sure things get fixed and that sort of stuff. So can't do any of that right now, but, uh, at, at some point I'll be back. I'll be back there. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but for now we're doing okay. Well, good luck, man. <laughs> good luck to all of our listeners as well. Yeah. Even we that guy to... from the Philippines. The mystery man or <laughs> woman. Oh, or yeah. Person. A person. Let's say it's a person. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't assume. I figured the whiskey, but, you know, women drink whiskey. That's true. Oh, absolutely. There, there are some pretty famous uh, scotch experts who are ladies. Really? Hmm. Well, let's get them on here. Yep. I, I'm guessing uh, they're in pretty big demand. <laughs> now you see, I've I've seen a, a few uh, documentaries on whiskey production, and there are definitely some experts um, that they interview who are women, and that's great because I'm sure it's been a traditionally boys' club kind of a setup. Sure. One of my one of my wife's friends and I, uh, or one of my wife's, <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to say one of my friends is a whiskey drinking woman. So bourbon. I'll yep. just go with that. I met her through my wife, but we'll just whatever. <laughs> that didn't sound right. Well, that's, that's, that sounds like a song too, Phil. Whiskey drinking woman. <laughs> <laughs> I met her through my wife. Whiskey drinking women. Stay with All me. All their life. <laughs> right. See? It writes wow, so too. many good ideas tonight. <laughs> whiskey drinking women. Take me home. Well, John or Eric inspired the last song, the malevolent fuck song. That was that was <laughs> one of my right. favorites. Were you, were, were you impressed with that, Eric? I don't know <laughs> that I heard it. Oh, Male- no. Maybe I did oh. and just forgot it. No, it, you <laughs> would remember. It's just totally unforgettable. Or no, yeah, I, I thought I said it the other way around. Was that the my the last time I was on? It's on yeah, Bandcamp. Yeah, we, we, we took I'll a line the link. that you used. I'm sure I listened to that. It became a song. I, I... He turned it off before the end. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I've heard all this shit. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I think our guests need to figure out how we're editing them. <laughs> we might really mess with them. <laughs> well, speaking of songs, um, last time I was going to... I mentioned that I uh, set the poem Sea Fever... Yes. To music, but I never was able to extract the audio track from that DVD of the recital where I did it. Yeah. I've got the lyrics here. If uh, if you want, I can uh, give it a shot at the end. Cool. And I'll be right back again. Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, Oh. Is this the way your podcasts usually go? Oh. (laughs) They're pretty close. Okay. Um, yeah, and and somehow we all often talk about oh. stuff from uh, things from the old country, <laughs> Rapid City. Ah, oh, it ends up pretty free form. It, it's interesting that you should mention that because oh, who was it? Uh, I was talking to somebody about mugging up, and of course they <laughs> yep. they had no clue what I was talking about, but I described it to him, and, and what really uh, came to mind was that time that. Chuck Hubbling was with us, and we went to, what was it? The... Oh, and he, he did he drink the whole thing and then fill it up again? Was yeah, that... he yeah, slugged down I like a of quart of, of, of 
of soda and then, and then refilled yeah. it. I know. I've thought of that many times in the, over the years. It obviously made a huge impression. Man. <laughs> it was kind of like, whoa, dude. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, that That's good. I'm impressed by it. Yeah, I I don't envy your kidneys and bladder, but hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're it's been a little bit weird with what's been going on in the world and stuff, but yeah. yeah. You know, you were talking about um when when things get back to normal and it one of the happen. Hey, hey Phil. John and I were just talking about uh uh, mugging up. You remember doing that back in Rapid in high school? Oh, yeah. God, I don't know how many... I wonder how many ounces of various sodas I've consumed back wow. then. Well, were you with us uh, the time when Chuck Hubbling was um, was over and watching movies with us? Uh, we went to... What was it? The it was the gas station uh, quick stop? Probably or, Mini Mart. Mini Mart. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's where and, we used to go. And he... Uh, he got one of those 32-ounce mugs full of something, slugged it down in, like, three gulps, and then refilled <laughs> it and went and paid for it. You know, and we were all, dude. <laughs> but, you know. He got his money's worth, right? Yeah, no shit. I'm surprised that somebody didn't get pissed at him for that, but, oh, well. Those were the days. You know, those, those mug-up prices are not that different today because you can often go into your average, as my wife's family would say, fill-in station. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> often you could get a gigantic amount of pop for like a dollar. Yeah. Oh, it was 49 and cents. I I don't think <laughs> it was that much lower back in the, well, that was the 80s, right? Yeah. Fountain pop doesn't really cost much of anything to produce. Oh, it's like four so. cents. Yeah, I mean, they get those concentrates, and all it is is a matter of, you know, mixing a little bit of that concentrate with some carbonated water and, you know. Some bourbon. So Yeah, it's amazingly profitable. Unlike this episode. Yeah, we, we were, um, speaking of uh, of things like that, we were dri- driving around a little bit this morning before we started work, and we were speculating, my wife and I, how... Um, business at uh rest, rest, buffet restaurants would be impacted like would would they oh. would they come back would people finally decide that they're too unsanitary and gross or yeah <laughs> i mean it's it makes you reconsider a lot of those things um with, with all with when everybody's just like watching out that the next person from them doesn't have a deadly disease I think 32% of the people don't care, so it's fine. Yeah, it, it could be. <laughs> that, that, that it'll, it'll roar back to life and you'll have it. Well, you know, the, one of the things I was uh, going to mention is that, you know, when we talk about things going back to normal, uh, they're never going to go back to what they were pre-COVID-19. They're, I mean, there's going to be a new normal and... You know, who knows what that's going to look like. But, I mean, the the fact that so many of the small restaurants and businesses in general, small local places, have shut down entirely, how are they going to get back on their feet? How are, you know, are they even going to yeah. be able to reopen at all? 
the restaurant business is very difficult as it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I they they've been working on different models for like seating, and even in our classrooms, they're working on different models for uh, capacities and uh, like half the class might be online and half might be in the room, but totally spaced apart. And what, how would that look at look like? I suspect we're going to do a similar thing. Yeah. But I don't know how a restaurant could, they need as many people in there as they can all the time to make money. So I don't know how they would, okay, uh, we only have six tables now and omit and half is takeout or I don't know. But yeah, I think you like you were going to say, John, we've once a week, we've been trying to, well, once every other week, <laughs> we even try to get some takeout from someplace or curbside pickup now is a thing. So, down the street from us is a kind of a hole in the wall chow mein joint, you could call it. Yeah. Kind of old school Americanized Chinese place. It's been there for decades and it looks like it, but they're, they seem to be doing almost better <laughs> oh, wow. than they were before this happened because most of their business was takeout. And I think a lot of people have been getting food from them i see cars sitting out there waiting for their orders pretty often now and so some some have adapted very well like there's another uh, um i think a vietnamese place uh in this area that closed for a week and installed a drive-up window i know uh, our our chinese uh, the yeah. chinese place near nearest yeah they just put this window in the side of the wall Wow. Yeah, yeah. They just installed a drive up and they put some cones out of the parking lot and have, you know, you go in this way. And I mean, most people just call in the orders and pick it up. But it's, it's you know, people adapt. That's very cool. Sure. Yeah, I know. But we, we miss, um, we really miss being able to go, go out to eat once in a while. And we, we yeah, definitely miss it. Date night. Yeah, just getting out of the house and take take out is is i i'm a little bit more of a cheapskate than my wife is so <laughs> i i tend to prefer takeout but uh sometimes you you actually do want to go sit somewhere else yep that's a thing and of course no bars so there's yeah. none of that and but another thing too is we've all been cooking i, I we've been cooking a lot more at home yes. and and uh every single meal you know and and you get kind of like I don't want to cook today, you know. Yeah, you get tired of it. I, feel I know like I first world problems, but <laughs> our um, grocery bill has gone up pretty sure. significantly. But um, I think it's been almost a month since we've done delivery or takeout. So our and before, you know, we get delivery or go out for dinner and lunch and oh, all yeah. that pretty frequently and you know sure. so i think i haven't crunched any numbers or anything like that but uh, i have a feeling that our overall food expenditures have gone down oh yeah i was just i know i know that's true i i because I, I a couple times ago i was at the grocery store i was like oh my god i'm spending so much on groceries but then but then you think about i didn't yeah i didn't crunch the numbers yet but yeah, I, I've definitely noticed a difference in our spending. Oh yeah, you know, cooking more, and e- even though I've done some things like, you know, I've cooked a sh- pork shoulder, or, you know, big thing of salmon, or smoked other things, and smoke gets in your eyes, smoke on the water of fire in your backyard. 
Don't be alarmed, don't call the authorities. I'm just smoking a butt. Hey, oh, sorry, it was half a butt. Smoking half a butt for breakfast. There's even even spending that kind of money. It's less than a, a few. If you mid, went out to a restaurant, restaurants. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be twice that much. I mean, like so. If I buy a, a pork shoulder for twenty five bucks, it, it, at a first glance, that's a lot. But first of all, it feeds us for several days. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's like it's still not even close to to what we'd spend. You know, again, at a moderately priced restaurant. Oh, by the way, John, um, you remember you were actually smoking that while um, when you called <laughs> yes, me. Yes, that's right. I last time I, I talked to you on the phone. So, so <laughs> I mean, you showed me that picture of it, and it made me drool. I, how, how did it come out? <laughs> um, it was fantastic. It really was. Oh, man. Yeah, it it took a good ten hours. No, he to sent me that up, picture too. He's such a. I I'm such a fucker about that. Yeah, and then you and big then I, I and I can't come over. Yeah, I know. It's like, hey, I got all this cool smoked meat now. Come, oh wait, oh. <laughs> no, I've since then I've done I've done salmon and I I did ribs this past weekend. Oh god, damn! Stop, yeah. stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm betting that MJ doesn't object to uh, your having spent the money for that, though. Hey, why don't you get her on, John? Is she is she around? We'll ask her. She's working. Actually. Oh. She could take a break. Let's ask her yeah, what she I'm, thinks. I'm sure she, she's been dying to come on, Phil. <laughs> I just want to ask her what she thinks about your smoker. <laughs> she, she's enjoyed the, the food from it. Yes, I, I understand. Yes. So how about this for a segue? What, what, what's your favorite science fiction novel that correlates with the times we're in today? Well, you know, it's interesting that you should ask that because um, Charlotte is reading... Uh, the stand and at, oh, at night yeah. when we're in bed, she'll read it out loud. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you consider that science fiction. It is kind of, but it's so romantic. Su- yeah, <laughs> Sup- supernatural science fiction. Sure. Yeah, and, I'll count uh, it. It's uh, tremendously um, appropriate for our pandemic. Although uh, the super flu that he portrayed, that Stephen King portrayed in the stand had a communicability of like 99.5% and um, (laughs) the death rate was uh, about the same. So, I mean, it's, it's nothing like COVID-19, but um, I'm in, in the book that their super flu was far, far worse than COVID-19. It's still interesting. I, I've been curious about, I, I haven't read a lot of his stuff. I've read more of his, um, Oh, the gunslinger, the gunslinger uh-huh. ones. I like those. I haven't finished that series, but uh, and I don't remember what it's called. But I was Dark into, Tower. yes, thank you. Uh, I was into uh, Frank Herbert for a while. We talked about this last time, and but they got cut out, so that's fine. But uh, I, so I, I was kind of a completist. So I thought I'm going to read every book that Frank Herbert wrote, which is easier than like Asmanov or something, but, but, um, <laughs> that was harder when I got into him. I, uh, but he has a book called the white plague and I've been, I've been thinking about rereading it because I can't, for one thing, I can't remember if it was, I think it only killed 
it either only killed men or it only killed women based on the chromosomes or something like that. And so they had to adjust to, to that whole thing. And I, you know, I, I was more into the Dune books, of course, but I, I decided I'm going to read every, every book he ever wrote and some were better than others, but that's one I thought about revisiting just because I, I can't remember <laughs> what, the, what the, the plague issue was or how it was even resolved. But I, I, I did read the book. I didn't even know that uh, that was one of his. I haven't read a lot of Frank Herbert. I read Dune, of course. I don't think people have read his other books much. There's uh, The Green the Brain. Incident. Yeah, The Jesus Incident. He wrote that with another person. Actually, actually, I think that one was pretty good. The first 60 pages or so of that book were incredible. <laughs> he he wrote it with another person who's Bill Ransom, I think. But uh, my bookcase is right behind me. I could look, but I'm not going to. Um, so, John, do you... Do you think of uh, um, The Shining because we're all in home? No, I'm. A, see, I think of The Shining well, also because I'm home, actually, home with my kids. Um, I, it's not a book, but I did order up a copy of uh, the Andromeda Strain, <laughs> which is you know it's based on a book, so it's you know at least there's connection. And I, I, I think that would be a fun thing to watch during this time. <laughs> fun, yeah. That uh, I remember fun. seeing that for the first time. I can't remember when it came out. It was. Oh, late 60s. Early 70s. Early 70s, yeah. Yeah. and It's it's pretty dated, actually, but I like it. Well, and I remember watching that on TV. It was probably, I couldn't have been that old, you know, like six or seven or something like that. And my brother and I were at home alone for some reason. (laughs) And uh, they had that on, uh, you know, like the movie special of the night. And we watched that and... um, in particular, the end with um, Dr. Hall and that computer core getting zapped by lasers and <laughs> yeah. all of that, that really freaked me out. I mean, I i had to sleep with the lights on, and uh, I was really young. But that that actually yeah. was a pretty decent adaptation of the book. I think it is, and it comes off a little bit dry. Um, that's okay. And methodical, but uh, it builds up well, and I it, it kind of has a, a good natural tension mm-hmm. that that builds. There there is some some interesting controversy, I guess, around it. That uh, there there is there are scenes in there where they're they're testing out this uh, space. It's a space virus. If you don't know the book or the movie, mm-hmm. that uh, or and, remember and testing it out on some monkeys, I mm-hmm. think, and. They depict the monkeys dying quickly from it in these sealed up cages. Yeah. And apparently that's, you know, they didn't actually kill monkeys. No. But they they must have done something to make them writhe around and pass out. Which, uh, LSD. Not everybody was a fan of, I think, at the time. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not, not nearly as bad as what they used to do. Um, to horses when they made westerns and they would you know make them trip and fall and stuff like that. Oh. And that's up there. Speaking of animal rights movie abuses. Wow. Okay, going going back in time, it, did we watch that movie at Eric's house uh, in high school? Which movie? The Andromeda Strain? I, that seems, I have this kind of memory. I don't remember the name of the movie or the movie exactly, but I think that was that one. That yeah, might have and been. And we watched it at your house. Um huh. I think Charlotte and Tim and uh, who else was there? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, 
What was the deal with that dog that would show up sometimes? There was like a tunnel from the neighbor's yard. And oh. the, the dog would show up through a tunnel? It would come no, through a little no, door? No, no, no. It was... Uh, um, uh, I kind of, I, I don't know, not adopted, but the, the dog of the neighbor next door, you know, we'd let her into our yard and she, she was happy to come over and get the attention. So, yeah. Well, I think it seemed was... like she just showed up through a tunnel though. There was like a <laughs> hole in the wall. <laughs> no. I don't know. That's the way I remember it. I, I totally forgot about that little dog. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't thought of that in many years. Yeah. I think we watched the Geronimus train, but I'm not sure. That's entirely possible. Okay, well, that was that was my pick. I guess I don't know. There's lots of good options. One one of the ones that people have mentioned is World War Z. Mm. I haven't seen that one either. Who that that was written by um, you know Max Brooks, Mel Brooks's son. Oh, oh right, right. He's I, I've seen him on a couple of political shows. He's he's really actually interesting guy huh yeah um haven't seen the movie but uh if i'm in the mood for that kind of virus slash zombie apocalypse movie then that's right up there well we just recently watched um uh zombie land to double tap <laughs> oh was was that any good i kind of avoided it because i heard it wasn't I, great <laughs> i wanted to see the first one it, it wasn't bad but it wasn't as good as the first one I mean, the first one is very funny. It is. Yeah, it's like hilarious. It. Um, that one is actually, uh, as far as zombie movies go, that one is tied with Shaun of the Dead. Uh, mm. I'm a fan of that one too. Yeah. So you're probably more into the humorous side of zombies. Yeah. Just like the vampire genre, it it's been so overdone. Yeah. There, there's been too much of it, and and I, I even really enjoyed the first few seasons of the walking dead i thought that was good yeah yeah um it, but, it got awful but oh uh, you know. it got so tiring well I don't... <laughs> that and i mean it was it was so bleak because you know oh great they found a this haven where they can live in peace and you know have some security and then no no either well the, the thing is it it could never end yeah <laughs> And the whole thing was very pointless. And once I figured out that there yeah. was no objective, I stopped watching it because it was just too. It was too much to watch. Somebody called it like yeah. uh, torture porn. <laughs> well, it, there's it has some relation to that. Yeah, you just kind of sit there and have to revel in in the awful things that happen to the characters. I, yeah. I can't do that because I associate so much with the different characters that I like. You know. Yeah. Well, and. Yeah. For us, I mean, we hung in there until I can't remember which season it was, but uh, where they had Negan bashing. Yeah, when it. after he sh- after he showed up, I quit. Then, well, we didn't quit immediately, but when he uh, they had the the graphic depiction of him bashing in Abe and uh, uh, I can't yeah. remember the. Uh, you mean when they killed Glenn? Glenn, yes. Glenn. Oh well, yeah, yeah. That was the the point. I I may have watched a few after that, but it was just bad, and I that was so like, over and, the and top plus, that I just they the show also got so manipulative. Yeah, with the way it would would do things, and again, back to the pointlessness, and it just didn't seem to have a plot for the for the most part, and it was very much. I I just felt like it lost really. The, the the idea of the whole zombie apocalypse thing because uh, the zombie stuff kind of 
went into the background and they would show up when they needed to have somebody killed off or whatever. Yeah. But otherwise, it wasn't really a thing anymore. And It was like a Techion shield of the zombie movies. Well, or, or it became kind of a, a phenomenon that every so often got dangerous, but otherwise was just like the weather. Yeah. But that isn't what made the show the most interesting when it first started. I mean, it was all it was always kind of character driven. And and you and and, and what yeah, would there, happen there, to these there, characters? It, 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 a classic example of a show that really needed to have a defined ending. Is it still going? It clearly didn't or doesn't. <laughs> no, I, I think, think it's still on. Is it? I've stopped really paying attention yeah. to it, so I don't. don't I haven't. I haven't heard about it in, in the entertainment industry for well, a while. Well, I, I know they killed Rick finally, so yeah. maybe that was the end. Rick. And they also killed uh. his son. They killed off Carl. Yeah. Is the yeah. uh what what was the one guy's name though that everyone liked the most? I guess I did too. Uh oh I forgot oh, his name. Daryl. Yeah. Daryl was Daryl was like this redneck superhero or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's and probably still alive. One of the things that I thought was interesting was early on they intro or they introduced his brother who was Merle. Oh yeah, yeah. And he, Merle, was, yeah. he was a good character. <laughs> and I, I, it's a fucker. <laughs> I, I had uh, a hard time placing the actor, but um, I finally figured out he was one of the rednecks in Mississippi Burning. Um, no. <laughs> that uh, wow. They ended the, the, up arresting. Well, good catch. Yeah. And he didn't have to saw his hand off in that one, but no. <laughs> <laughs> No, he oh. he was probably one of the best characters in Walking Dead, I think. But yeah. I mean, he was terrible. But and, and actually, I thought Carol was good too. Yeah. Oh yeah, da- no, Daryl Carol. Yeah, they were the they were two <laughs> of the best, I think. Yep. Yeah. Well, I agree. Oh. Well, Phil, that's a show you watched <laughs> for a while. But, I stopped it before you guys did. But, yeah, but, but you Jody got through like six seasons or something, right? No, I don't remember what season it was. But Jody, well, and it I... was. I think that was six or seven. At some point, Jody and our Jordy and I just kind of looked at each other and were like, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. there's no redeeming I think, quality. I think a lot of people had that reaction. There, there, there's no um, objective. I, I, no, I love the characters and I get that. Um, but you can't have a show totally based on that, even if, you know, I was in theater or whenever and the actors are so important. But there has to be some objective, doesn't there? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, and I know I've said this before, and probably in the last time. Um, a, as I mentioned, you know, I actually uh, was involved with a uh, film short that was produced and shown at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, yeah, we watched it. Yeah, we we won't go into that, but one of the things that I was reading about. Um, and kind of in association with that is that for a movie, TV show, or even a short story or a novel, you know, that three-act format where, you know, yeah. you have, builds up to a turning point, then builds up to another turning point, then builds up to the climax, and then you have the denouement. If, if you don't, if you stray from that too much unless you're really good at doing abstract uh, work, then it just doesn't work. I mean, it just, it it falls flat because the the comparison that I frequently think of is that original Star Wars 1977 follows that three act structure 
almost perfectly. Sure. And that's one of the reasons why, despite the camp and some of the dialogue and things like that, that's it's one still, of the reasons. It holds together. Yeah, it, it holds together, and you know, it, you effortlessly follow along uh, what's happening. In comparison, uh, what was the the first one of the prequel trilogy? I, that was the Phantom Menace, I think. Um, when you look at that, um, it was almost exactly the opposite. Um, and what I remember watching that and being so disappointed in is that uh, what was supposed to be the climax of the movie was, uh, you know, a total letdown. It was kind of like you you finish watching it and you're, well, what the fuck was that? You know, why did I even bother? <laughs> you mean, you mean the, the duel with Darth Maul of America? <laughs> oh, was that it? Or, or is no, that stupid pod race? I haven't race? seen it in a long time. Oh yeah, there's the the video game slash pod race. Yeah, it was a, yeah. was I, maybe that was the second movie with the battle of all the different uh, Jar Jar Binks characters attacking uh, with the that bubble. That was two, I think. Okay, never yeah, mind. Yeah, to say I might know that. Yeah, fine. We'll have Matt uh, P on. He can uh, debate uh, this. And, and as as I mentioned on a previous episode, when I recommended Mr. Robot, the the TV show, um, was how impressed I was because it went four seasons and very obviously had a well thought out structure in its storyline. And that, um, that, that really, I, I mean, I know I shouldn't be so impressed by that, but so few shows seem to nail that. Yeah. That, um, yeah. In retrospect, going and thinking back in the earlier seasons, it, it's put together very well. And the, the showrunner obviously knew where he wanted to take it. Yeah. There was a plan. And, and, and there was a plan, it right? Ended. It's not like Lost or Walking Dead. They had a plan. Yeah, no, apparently the 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 showrunner had had it completely sketched out, knew exactly how how many episodes it was going to run everything. And you know, the um a good example of a sci-fi show that started off really strong but then petered out at the end was the Battlestar Galactica reboot. I mean the the reboot, yeah, yes. And we rewatched that the whole season or the whole series. Wow, uh, a while back, and we the, did too, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's and, what almost killed you. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, the uh, the miniseries pilot still holds up, and most of pretty much all of the the first season holds up, but. Second season is still good, but it's starting to show the cracks. And from then on, you know, third and fourth, it just pretty much flounders because they had no plan. They, you know, they were just uh, making it up as they went along. And I think you, the part that it really noticed noticeably gets worse for me is after the opening of season three, when when they get off of uh, New Caprica. Uh huh. After all that stuff happens. Then it do, it seems kind of aimless after that, and by coinc- funny coincidence, the the showrunner for Mister Robot is is doing the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. There's another reboot. Yeah, they're they're gonna reboot it again. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not crazy about that. Obviously, who's the showrunner? A guy named Sam Eshmael with an E. Call him Eshmael. Yeah. <laughs> He uh, and he, he he obviously can write well and everything. And of course, Mister Robot was benefited 
benefited by having um, Rami Malek as oh, the lead. Right. And he's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who played Freddie Mercury. Right, right. I missed, I missed a little bit there because evidently I need to, the longer we go on with these podcasts, I'm going to have to buy like adult undergarments or something, but okay, fine. <laughs> it, it all depends. <laughs> that, that's oh, our next John. sponsor. John. <laughs> that's our next sponsor? <laughs> Taco John's and Depends. <laughs> oh. they, go, they go hand in hand or something. Uh, Make sure you have plenty of toilet paper, folks. So um, I missed that part. Yeah, as far as a, a favorite <laughs> science fiction book goes, um, ooh, uh, that yeah. that would be really hard. Um, or a series. The, the Foundation trilogy by Isaac Asimov is uh, one of my favorites. His, also, the iRobot, uh, his iRobot uh, anthology is really good, and just uh, his short stories in general, I are. Lots and lots of fun. I th- very. I think I got, I think I got into science fiction first through, probably Frank Herbert. But uh-huh. then I got in. When maybe, maybe Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. I, I don't know. There was a. I remember watching uh, Arthur C. Clarke's uh, TV show where he was in refuge in Sri Lanka. Oh yeah. But we never quite realized where he was uh, in refuge. What what was he in refuge from? But I don't, I don't know. know. But right. America, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I said, I was a completist, so I I was into Dune and read all the Frank Herbert books, and somehow I got into the Foundation trilogy, and uh-huh. I don't know, I don't know, um, I don't know how I discovered that. I don't know if you had talked about it or what, but I uh, I read those, and then of course, you know, I that opened up the whole different Asmanoff worlds, so or worlds. No, so he tried to connect them all at the end. But, yeah. But, but, uh, so yeah, so I got, I, I remember looking somewhere for this. If, if you were going to get all the books and read them all in some kind of order, the, the robot books and, uh, Empire and, uh, Foundation trilogy, some, somebody tried to put them in some kind of order. And I remember trying to read them like that. But, uh, the Foundation, the Foundation trilogy was, really really different than any science fiction uh series um i can think of well he based that um uh he was also an historian and he um loosely based the foundation trilogy on the decline and fall of the roman empire sure Uh, that book that has the virtue of being one of the few books that kept me guessing right up until the very end. And, you know, the payoff was so great because, you know, you smack yourself in the forehead and say, oh, of course, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> right. But it was more, it was more kind of mental. It was a um, logical or mental kind of resolution as opposed to like, um, I haven't read it for so long, but it wasn't like an action oriented kind of thing. It was kind yeah. of resolved by thought (laughs) yeah yeah and yeah he just brought everything together at the very end uh brilliantly kind of like what um well not exactly i was just thinking um in catch 22 by joseph heller have you read that (laughs) oh i love that book you know and uh you know you're just kind of john have you read that 
I'm embarrassed to say I've only seen the the Mike Nichols film. No, oh, oh. it's a good movie too. Yeah, I should I should read it. it it's a classic. It's got Orson Welles in it. So what are you going to well, do? <laughs> the, movie, the movie is kind of its own thing. I, it, <laughs> it is. No, that was another one of those books where the first sixty pages or however many pages, I I was crying. I was laughing out loud. I was yeah. crying. Yeah. I've never I've never done that with a book before. And then it gets darker and darker and darker. Well, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is that, you know, talking about that three-act structure, it didn't follow that at all. And, you know, like, you, it is, it's very funny. It's, a, you know, kind of twisted, dark humor, but um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's very funny. And I was, I kept reading, and Charlotte had recommended it to me, and I kept saying, you know, where the hell is this going? You know, it's going nowhere. And she but said, that was like reading, Vietnam or whatever reading. else. Yeah. And, you know, I got up to like the last three pages of it. And I read that and I was, holy shit. Because he, uh, kind of like what Asimov did with the Foundation Trilogy, he brought yeah. it all together. And, you know, it's, it's, it's again, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense uh, now. See, now I need to read that book again. Oh. Unlike the last few pages of The Man in the Dark or Man in the High Castle. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that was different. I, no, I got really into Philip K. Dick for a long time, too. But but that book was... You when were you end, Dick, when, <laughs> Well, uh, I think we all sorry. go through that phase, don't we? No, not all of us. But um, 10%. But uh, I, but that, that, that book did not end. <laughs> I still don't know what that means. What were you going to say, John? I'm sorry. You know, I was curious if any of you had seen the uh, George Clooney Catch-22 miniseries. Yeah, we did. What? What? Is that an espresso ad? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) No, uh, we we didn't really like it. And uh, the reason was that they took too much of a... I mean, Catch-22, the book, and Nichols' film, too. But the, the book is totally satire. And, yeah, and the movie is absurd. Yeah, and and the the George Clooney version, he did a reasonably good job in that role. Um, Major Shyskopf was it or whoever? But um, you know, <laughs> oh, the, the names, yeah. Uh, again, uh, comparing it to another uh, movie remake, um, Matthew Broderick and was starred in a remake of The Music Man, if you saw that. Oh, that's awful. And yeah. and, and the reason it's awful, <laughs> at least to me, is that, um, you know, what? the the original movie, the original musical, is very tongue-in-cheek. It You know, it's a satire on Midwestern life or, you know. Yep. And they tried to straighten it out and make it some sort of, um, uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe it, more like a... Uh, not a docudrama, but you know, a, a snapshot of Americana. Yeah, they, they took it more literally, I think. And, yeah. Um, and, what? And, and Broderick also just was not right for the part. No. I mean, no. I mean, the, it, it, he's supposed to be a, a a salesman, a con man. Yeah. Who's very charismatic and bigger than life and all that stuff. And and that he was not a, he was wrong for the part. Said yeah. Nathan Lane. No, what's a so, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, 
So, oh, okay, I'm going to go back to this. Uh, I've never heard of a George Clooney version of Catch-22. It how came did, out a year or two ago. How did um, I miss that? It's a miniseries? It was on one of the cable channels. Yeah, it was a TV miniseries. Um, as long as we're mentioning the, the film version, um, highly recommend the the audio commentary. <laughs> Total nerd, nerd stuff. But the audio commentary from the, the movie that features Mike Nichols and Steven Soderbergh discussing oh. the film. I see now. Um, it, it's very, very good. I can't see. I can't remember if I've heard that, but I think I would have by now. I'm going to try again. Yeah. You're, you're um, talking yeah, you about should definitely check it out. You're talking about the movie with Robert Preston, the 1960, whatever. No, um, this... Music man is I'm, t- I was talking about uh, <laughs> cash 22. Oh, oh, Robert Preston in Catch Twenty Two. No, ah. he could he he could have been in Catch Twenty Two. He could have been. I like I liked him in um, uh, what was that? The Last Starfighter. <laughs> no, I'm trying <laughs> to think of. Oh no, my God, I can't remember anything tonight. What was the name of the movie where Julie Andrews? Uh, Victor Victoria. No, she. It was a movie where she. Uh, Showed her breast at the end. That was the big climax of the movie. Oh, well, that's another one. Um, SLB. Yes, thank you. Oh, another Blake Edwards. Blake Edwards. God. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, he's great in Victor Victoria too. I think he was in Blake and in uh, that other movie. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, the thing that's great about this audio commentary is that Nichols is very honest about the 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 for the the shortcomings of the film adaptation yeah because i think soderbergh is is really good about drawing things out and and really getting to the heart of things and it it's it's unusually honest for one of these things because usually if it's the actual director or somebody worked on the movie they're they're not nearly so uh, willing to discuss Things that didn't work well. Mm-hmm. They screwed around things a little bit. Yeah, or I mean, they, they they're not going to sit there and like, whoa, this I I made a horrible film. The going from a book that is reasonably complex and has a lot of subtlety to it, um, and trans- short. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's really tough to translate that to the movie medium um, and do it successfully, so that. Uh, you know, it's really satisfying. I enjoyed the movie, but it is, um, I think of them as two different things. Yeah. Really. And it, it's pretty uncharacteristic. Most of Mike Nichols's other films are not really like that. So, yeah. Well, no, no. Well, that one scene where the uh, airplane comes by and uh, cuts that guy just kind of in half. Oh, yeah. 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 That, and then the body plops down i i don't that's that's one of the most uh memorable scenes from any movie yeah i remember that when i was thinking about that movie i, I was thinking about exactly that scene yeah yeah well it it's also one of my favorite john boyd performances okay remember him oh no i yeah no i i, I know him very well little known fact phil and john voight did a uh, a podcast in the 90s, one of the first podcasts ever made. It was called uh, Time to Scream and Have a Donut. And uh, it was groundbreaking. 
And uh, and anyway, well, back to the kids. He's really oh, really good. Yes. I mean, the, the guy the guy's an asshole. Yeah, personally, but yeah. He uh, he's he's exactly right for the part. I think. And Orson Welles was in that too, wasn't he? Yeah, he plays Dreadle. Oh, yes. that was. I'd like to hear the commentary <laughs> just about that. Can you imagine having Orson Welles on your set? Uh, that would be weird. Yeah, they talk about it. I think. Yeah. No, I'm sure they do. You, how it's, could you not? You could do good. a whole a whole uh, commentary just on that. Oh yeah, he he like we we've talked about Wells quite a bit on this <laughs> podcast, but yeah, yeah. How in those especially in the later years, he would just go out and do these brief film appearances to make money to keep working on whatever stalled out film project he was doing at the time. Yeah, or doing commercials for Martini and Rossi Asti Spumanti. <laughs> yeah, or whoever. Yeah. He, what was the one Rob mentioned the last time? I don't. Oh, the yeah. the the wine commercial. Yeah, I think there was another one too. The though. wine before its time. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. That there was another one too, though. He liked the wine. <laughs> the, and Eric, you might remember him from Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Wait, John Boyd? Uh, no, Orson Welles. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He recorded a whole bunch of promos. What oh. voiceover work? What I think? Yeah, I think I remember uh, uh, on the discs. No yeah, way. they're they're extras on the on the on the video. On I the haven't TVs heard those. And all all these little teaser trailers that they put out. I think they were maybe for TV. Mm-hmm. And he did almost all of the <laughs> all of the voiceover for him. And and of course, it's interesting because. Robert Wise directed the film. Right. And he edited And Citizen Robert King. Wise is is yeah, it, well he edits it says edit ugh, can't talk. Edited Citizen Kane was also <laughs> the one who chopped up the Magnificent Ambersons. Ooh. Which which the movie studio at the time took away from him and it was a huge problem and I I think Wells always kind of thought he had been betrayed. Really? Yeah. By by well by Robert Wise who who was you know probably just doing his job but you can imagine that wells never really <laughs> thought favorably of him no do a different job and kind of ruined <laughs> his movies so it was it must have felt pretty shitty to to be doing voiceover promos for robert wise's movie yeah <laughs> oh at ouch. the time but he needed the money so he was a pro and did him anyway but it it, it has to have been a, a tough <laughs> Yeah, a, a tough thing for him to do. I haven't heard any of those, and I can't even imagine uh, Orson Welles promoting the first Star Trek movie. It's, it seems bizarre to me. What? It's definitely him, though. It totally sounds. Like no, him. I, I believe it. It's fake, fake Orson Welles. What's What's your favorite science fiction movie, Eric? Mine? Oh shit! <laughs> oh. Sorry. Well, it... Besides two thousand one. That's like trying to ask me what my favorite food is. <laughs> yeah. Um, or my favorite wife is. Uh, with 2001, <laughs> um, I recognize how both as a technical achievement and also as a um, just uh, an artistic film, uh, what an a, accomplishment it was, is. Uh, right. But I never, I mean, I saw the movie two or three times before I finally read the book. And it wasn't until I read the book that I understood what was happening at the end. And then it made sense. But 
So, and I think I mentioned this on the, the previous podcast that I was on. I think it succeeds brilliantly as an art film, but uh, it falls short in storytelling. If you want to ask, my, my favorite Star Trek movie is two, of course, hands well, down. that's hard to beat, yeah, sure. Um, other than that, oh, You mean man. the one where Benedict Cumberbatch plays Khan? Oh, good God, please. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Matthew Broderick? Uh, I hate the taste of bile, dude. Just drop it there. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I know it, it's got its detractors, but I actually uh, enjoyed um, Contact, both the book and the movie adaptation of it. Mm. Oh, sure, sure. No, that was yeah. a good movie. That so you I might like you it. might you might put that up as your favorite? No, not my favorite, but I definitely enjoyed it. Um uh you know, speaking of the Andromeda strain, I really uh, really dug that, but you're right, yeah. John, it is pretty dated. Um shit, I'm just trying to go back. Uh it's really dark, but you know, Blade Runner is good, Alien is good. Oh my aliens. god, Blade Runner. Yeah. No, I just remembered the movie that we saw at your house, it was THX 1138, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Because right now I'm scrolling through 1970s science fiction movies <laughs> because I'm trying to remember the name of a different one. But continue as you were. Sorry. Well, um, and, you know, speaking of 60s and 70s, um, the original the Planet of the Apes from 1968 was... Mm-hmm. Oh, I, God. I mean, it, it was a vast departure from the book, Pierre Boulle's book, but it was still uh, really good. What a movie. Sure. Silent Running, um, which was... I, no, that was the one I was trying to look up, Silent Running. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Starred Bruce Dern, and it was directed by Douglas Trumbull, who did the special effects for 2001. And we talked about right. Zardos last time, but that's oh, fine. God, no, but no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going through these '70s movies, but Silent Running left. It left it. It, it, um, it was sad. It, it 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 left an impact on me. I can, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah, you forgot about Silent Green. Yeah, <laughs> we could we could just we could <laughs> we could just focus on '70s movies. Clockwork Orange oh, with the, oh, Clockwork yes. Orange is that. Oh, God. Um, let me get to that in just a second. But um, Logan's Run. Logan's Run. Oh, Logan's number. Run. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. And uh, for all its flaws, um, I don't know I that still I like that movie. consider it science fiction, but the original Superman movie had a certain charm to it. Uh, the ending was totally ludicrous, but still. Yeah. No, I still have a soft spot for the... Superman, oh, movie. And uh, you know, I know. Uh, one of the I things know. about that is, and um, John Williams scores not just for Superman, but you know, Star Wars and Raiders, John Lost Williams, Ark, and all of yeah. those. Um, they they were all really well done, but um, I think that they're just incredibly nostalgic to me. I mean, uh, like the opening bars of any of those fanfares. And, you know, boom, yeah. I'm right back. No, he totally knew how to get you right in the moment. Yeah. Right away. Right away. You were you were engrossed in whatever was going to happen. And, you know, the interesting thing about, uh, I went and saw Rise of Skywalker. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was 
Jar Jar Abrams all over again. You know, a lot of retread <laughs> stuff. And uh, I was lukewarm <laughs> about it. The part at the very end that damn near brought me to tears was when <clears throat> the movie closed and they did that narrowing down effect and he used the same end title or the yeah, end score son of a know, bitch. that he used in uh, that he did for Star Wars and uh, <laughs> yeah he was good about bringing back some of the themes for sure yeah and uh, you know again it was I heard that and I was eight years old again watching Star Wars in the theater for the first time and now uh, it was he was a genius it was, I think uh, we could say that is yeah he he's is still alive. Yeah. he's still around no, he is not a genius anymore. Oh. oh, is he doing a podcast? Then I don't care. That's the only thing that matters. Land. It's <laughs> the only thing that matters. No. Everyone, no, social distance movie. from John Williams. If I'm dominating, uh, just tell me. Um, I don't want to hog the airtime. <laughs> but um, you mentioned no. uh, a Clockwork Orange. Well, that was a seventies sort of sci-fi movie, I guess. What it, it, you could. <laughs> Yeah, people put it in that category. It, it, it is and it isn't. No, I, I know. It's an alternate uh, future. Well, and uh, if you haven't read Anthony Burgess' book, yes, that uh, I, I strongly recommend that. Um, Kubrick's adaptation of it, uh, that's, that may be my favorite Kubrick movie. And it's, it's very disturbing, and it's actually hard to watch. But yes. it is so brilliantly done and it follows the book almost perfectly the only thing is that there was when burgess was english and he had three books with well three sections in the book uh seven chapters each and in the english release uh it had all the chapters in it in the american release which uh, I believe Kubrick used to make his movie, the last chapter was cut out. And it really changes the entire tone and uh, your your interpretation of the book or as a whole. Now, I've read the book, but I'm wondering, I'm guessing I read the American version. You know, another, another movie and book adaptation kind of thing that I... I would like to go back to and read and then rewatch is uh, being there. And that's not necessarily science fiction because maybe some of it came true with Ronald Reagan or whatever. But um, being there was this little short little book. And uh, the movie was this whole other thing that uh, in a way I'm trying to, I, I would kind of like, so okay, we've gotten to several things here now. I'd kind of like to reread <laughs> Catch Twenty Two and rewatch the movie, and and now I got to listen to that if I haven't already. Yep. The uh, audio commentary. Then I have to go and I've never read um, uh, Planet of the Apes the book, mm-hmm. it's but very thin. I've I've read. But see, that's the thing. There's some of these really thin books. Being there is not that large of a book. Um, Catch-22 is a, a medium-sized book. Um, what, uh, Clockwork Orange is a... You might as well read all the Asimov books while you're at it, too. Yeah. Clockwork Orange is sort of a, 
Clockwork Orange is sort of a shorter book, but okay. And so, Phil, are you? Um, we were having a little text exchange about um, the upcoming latest remake of Dune. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not uh, to get my director. I I did like um, uh, Arrival. I thought was pretty good. Oh yeah. So I'm interested. I'm interested to see what he does with with that because uh, yeah. There's obviously not a really satisfying film version of Dune out there. Yeah. Well, um, I, I enjoy the other one. And I, I enjoyed the sci-fi um, adaptation, the miniseries. I, I like the fact that this director is breaking, convinced the studio to break it up into two, uh, to two movies. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing that for sure. I, ho- I hope it's good. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, I had forgotten about Arrival. That was actually... I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was well done. What who yeah, is the director? I think, I think the guy is good. He has good sci-fi chops, um, <laughs> and he he directed the Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which uh-huh. is not perfect, but it had some really cool things in it. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to make a if you're going to make a sequel to Blade Runner, which I would have never thought anyone ever should, I did think that was, uh, it was good. I I I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I would oh, have never cool. thought why did it why did it need a sequel but but I was pleasantly surprised but I try to go into these movies with absolutely no expectations but it's very hard to do with the Dune movie <laughs> yeah no it has a lot of baggage so to speak. <laughs> um and, and as far as you know we we have different ones that we we appreciate as, as great science fiction movies but um then there are ones that I for different reasons have nostalgic just they're kind of comfort food movies. Mm-hmm. Black hole, and black hole. The black, not the black hole. <laughs> <laughs> that that one I did watch not till I go. It's not good. Um, I do remember seeing it in the theater, and I didn't think it was great as a kid either. <laughs> but speaking of that, though, um, well. like another one that's that I, I I still like to go back to sometimes is uh, Forbidden Planet. Yes. Even though it has some hokey stuff in it, but overall, I think it's still really good. It is. And, you know, Contact was another one. I'm glad you mentioned, Eric. Um, another one that kind of takes me back in a warm, fuzzy way is, uh, I know a lot of people don't like it, but it's 2010. Yes. Yes, I which, agree. Which I, I recognize it has a lot of flaws and it's dated and whatever, but I still think it's pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, Peter Hyams is a good director. Peter Hyams is a good director, um, uh, but I'm glad you mentioned that um, both Forbidden Planet and uh, 2010 because every now and then um, I go back. I, I actually it wasn't that long ago that I rewatched uh, Forbidden Planet, mm-hmm. and uh, especially for 1955 was it or it was yeah something like that yeah uh, I mean uh, the special effects were actually pretty damn impressive for that time. And yeah, yeah, extraordinary actually for then. Oh, and it was one of the at the time, you know, at the time science fiction films were pretty much B movie kind of things, and this this was a big budget A list one. Yeah, and at that time was a big gamble, I think. Uh, Who was the actor who played Morbius in that? His name's Walter Pigeon. Yes. Well, and Leslie Nielsen and and Leslie Nielsen playing a straight character. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, that was when he did back then. And um, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, the dude I can't remember the actor's name. The dude who played Doctor Ostro was also uh, the Kelvin, the lead Kelvin in uh, by any other name. 
from original That's Trek. That's right. I forget his name now. Too. Warren Stevens. But, and Robbie the Robot, of course. Yes. Now, okay. Now, my connection <laughs> to this movie is my, my oldest daughter, April, is into electronic music. And oh. I think... I think John, I think mm-hmm. John, and she's trans. I sent you that, yeah. She she's trans, so I was like getting her. I was like, hey, you, you should uh, you should get into this or or look she's at the trance. <laughs> she no, no she's trans, <laughs> but she. I th- I was like, you should listen to this music by uh, the Clockwork Orange uh, lady. I can't remember her name. Oh my god. Oh, Carlos. Yes, Carlos. Wendy Carlos. Yes. And but anyway. Uh, she really appreciated the, uh, so I, I, I sent her a link of the 12 hours of ambient sound from Forbidden Planet of the great Krell machine. Yes. I heard and that. she, so it's 12 hours of this, but she, she thought that was delicious. So thank you, John. That was, uh, she really enjoyed that a lot. You know, um, <laughs> the, the thing that I think I find most, uh, engaging about, uh, the Forbidden Planet is that the earlier science fiction, um, even going back as far as the 40s, but when I think of movies and TV shows, uh, the thing that I found so charming, find so charming about uh, like the movies that I was mentioning these in and 70s is that they managed to capture that sense of wonder, you know, that awe, awe-inspiring, you know, wow, you know, there's, there's, you know, we're surrounded by an infinity of space, and there's all this really cool, strange, awe-inspiring stuff out there for us to go and explore and find, and uh, that movie, I, I think, really, really captured that. Monsters from the <laughs> <end>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a yeah. great one. Has Phil gone off to relieve himself again? Phil? <laughs> I uh, guess so. <laughs> maybe you should just get a catheter. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> We're all getting old. I think I just missed something there. I had to use the restroom again. Catheter speak- jokes. Oh no! Speaking of getting old, I had to use the restroom again. Uh, if I had a catheter, I would I wouldn't have missed whatever you were talking about? Uh, one one that I hadn't mentioned though is uh, Solaris, both the the Russian original Russian movie and oh, the American remake with uh, George Clooney. George Clooney, yeah, man. <laughs> Nespresso. Um, the uh, both of them were very much mind benders, but. Uh, uh, for a remake, I thought the one, uh, the American remake with George Clooney actually did pretty damn well. Oh, did it hold up? I haven't seen it since it came out. Um, I think so. I I haven't rewatched it recently, okay. but. Um, well, okay. I, I really appreciate your comment about the sense of wonder and hope. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with hope as as a, another adjective or noun or verb, whatever. But it, it's. Uh, I'm not going to do the uh, sentence uh, diagram, but uh, I think right now, and maybe it will, will change now with this because we're actually in that sort of thing. But for a couple years ago or whatever, we were into this kind of dystopian. Um, there is no hope, 
and there is no um i i can't remember the ne- the last movie i saw where there was a sense of wonder yeah. there was a there's also there's always this sense of well we're going to do the best we can to get through this yeah. and 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 i i'm not sure that i mean even mad max eight or whatever that one the last one i saw was I that was optimistic at the end. People got their water, but uh, I just the sense of wonder. I I don't know when when is the last movie I saw that had a sense of wonder. You know, I don't know. And and I mean the the positivity, the idea that and, well, and that was one thing. Not to be too much of a Trek geek, but that was one thing <laughs> that a, original Trek in particular had going for it uh you know it was 300 years in the future and you know outside of the you know some of the original episodes were fairly dark but they all you know they very frequently evoked that sense of wonder and also as you eloquently put it phil that sense of hope and um that's that's no you're you're right and you know that's one of the reasons that i really liked contact because it ended on just the right note. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And Clockwork Orange, I, I, the ending of that was very hopeful, too. He was in the hospital bed with COVID-19. <laughs> and, uh, I was cured all right. <laughs> <laughs> he could go back to work. He was an essential worker. Seriously, guys, um, pick up a copy of the English <laughs> version of the original release of a clockwork orange and read it through and see if the that that final chapter uh doesn't change your whole perception of the book i'm going to get my book right now but you can keep talking but i i wonder which version i have he has the french version if there are 20 chapters it's the american version if there are 21 um then it's the English version. Yeah. He only has one book. Phil only has one book. No. Well, we'll Eric, well, on a future uh, episode or something, get Rob involved. We'll have to we'll have to talk about the car. Yes, um, I was going to bring that up. Uh, we haven't watched the final two episodes of. Yeah, that might be about as far as we are. Well, no, I just watched the one where uh, Riker and Troy yeah. show up. That's I really enjoyed that. It was it was nice to see Riker and Troy again. It was a little weird to see Riker wearing overalls. <laughs> yeah, <though>. yeah. Um, <laughs> he likes leather. I, I I didn't. I wasn't. No, I I've only seen a picture of it. Yeah. Uh I don't. I still don't know what version of this book I have. Well, see, how do you know? Uh, in the English release, uh, he had three. I think he called them books, uh, and seven chapters each. That was the way he wrote it. That's the way it was originally published in England. When they published it in the United States, they excised the last chapter of book three. What? Oh, I got to get the other one if I don't have it. And just to give you a teaser, think about... um, Think about the scouring of the Shire in Lord of the Rings uh, in Return of the King. It has, well, what? I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Whoa. You, you blew my mind a little yeah. bit there. 
Okay. So. <laughs> fine. No, I. Uh, Stay no, tuned. I, I'm okay with that. I I don't know what it, which version I have. How many chapters are so there? So I have. Uh, the narrator will tell us. Wrong. Thank thank goodness for the narrator. He might. Uh, he's telecommuting. I know that much. Wrong. Well, I don't know how many chapters there are total because the last part it, it ends with chapter six. Okay, then. Um, then you have the American. I may the, have the American version. Oh God damn it! So you need to take <laughs> the. Uh, you need to find the um, unexpurgated English version. What was that noise? I don't know. Our last episode had a lot of wind. Okay, I gotta make dinner, so I'm gonna. You gotta make dinner. Well, I got to. I already ate. Gotta go to bed. Pretty soon. Oh, oh good. Oh, oh, good. Oh God, damn! Stop! Stop now! Oh, oh, good. Oh, oh, good. Oh God, damn! Stop! Stop now! Oh, oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, God damn. Stop. Stop now. Here's a song. I must down to the seas again. To the lonely sea and the sky. And all I ask is a tall ship and a star to steer her by. And the wheels kick and the wind song and the white sail. And a gray mist on the sea's face, and a gray dawn breaking. I must down to the seas again for the call of the running tide. Is a wild call and a clear call that may not be denied. And all I ask is a wind. With the white clouds flying And the flowing spray And the blown beauty And the sea goes crying I must down the seas again To the vagrant nomad flying To the gull's way And the whale's way Where the wind's like a wedded night and all I ask is a merry yarn from a laughing fellow lover And quiet sleep and a sweet dream when the long trick's over There's quiet sleep and a sweet dream when the long tricks over